You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Really, really grateful you would carve out some time today to listen uh, wherever you're listening. The goal of this podcast is just to help you lead wherever God has you leading um, and expanding his kingdom in whatever spot he's got you. So really excited today. Um, We are joined online right now. Vance actually isn't in the room with me. We're we're doing this uh, COVID style on Zoom but really excited to obviously have Vance on Zoom as well as our guest today that you may have seen in the description of the podcast. Today, we have on our podcast Mr. Will Mancini. Will, how's it going, man? Hey, it's great to be with you guys. And Vance, you are, you are also here, Vance. Welcome to the, to, to the <laughs> yeah. podcast that has your namesake. <laughs> ah, that's great. No, man, we're, we're real excited about having Will here today. We are doing kind of a covid version of this today but excited to have will uh on the on the on the podcast and really excited to talk about his book and so just looking forward to it yeah so that is uh that is what we're, we're going to talk about today i just finished reading the book it's incredible and so uh will if you haven't ever heard of will mancini he's the co-founder of future church company he's a church consultant and ministry entrepreneur uh, in 2005 uh, 2015 he uh, co-founded unique a coaching company, and, and we're going to talk more about how we've worked with Will here at Hope Church, but um, just an incredible guy with six different books, one of which we're going to talk about. It is brand new. Can't wait to hear about writing a or releasing a book in, a, in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic, but uh, Will, that's kind of the, the author bio. That's that's who you are on paper, but um, man, tell us tell us a little bit more insight on, on Will Mancini, the guy. Uh, and then we're going to jump into just talking about this this great book, Future Church, uh, with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I love Mexican food, so let's start right there. Boom. Mexican food. Got, I did something crazy in life. Uh, I, I laid an egg in an empty nest. I've got three kids out of the house, Jacob, Joel, and Abby, 27, 24, and 21. Love those guys. And then at age 47, had, a, had, a, had another baby. So my little poema is Ooh. bringing up the rear. She's about to turn four. And uh, I joined the old dad's club. Pray for me on that. And if you're an old dad, <laughs> look me up and let's get let's get in our own support group. It's good stuff. I, being an old dad has created two surgeries in the last 12 months. I <laughs> I uh, I tore my meniscus on a, on a little bitty playground, bound, jumping around the, the kids slide in my uh, sports sandals. And then uh, I was flipping her around, dancing on a Friday night after a week of travel, and I I tore my my. Uh, my bicep tendon, flipping Oof. my my uh, chunky little beautiful three year old around in the air. So I was like, man, we're ha- we're having a great time. <laughs> no, <I> love- <laughs> that- it's fun. It's crazy. It's crazy. Fun stuff. I lo- I love serving the church. Called called to the church. The story behind the story is I'm a nerdy engineer. I was a chemical engineer. Got got uh, redeemed out of my nerdhood in the in the ad agency and the kind of worked in doing marketing, branding, communication. And then called called by Jesus to gospel ministry, and all I want to do is help church leaders do more of what they do best, and help churches uh, the mission of Jesus. So that's uh, that's a little little bit backstory wow. on me there. That's awesome, man. That's uh, awesome. That's great, Will. And hey, when you said yeah, that uh, 
that you, I was going to say, when you said that it, uh, being an old dad prompted some surgeries, that's not the surgery I thought you were going to talk about, but <laughs> Me neither, uh, man. bro, when you said that, I... <laughs> you would think there'd be another surgery in there listed. That's not happened yet. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're a 47 year old dad. I'm a 49 year old granddad. So I'm, <laughs> I'm running this thing from a different perspective. You are there. There you go. Well, I, I will, I will, I will say this though. Cause that prompts this story. Like, I've never actually, I've never actually sprayed like water out of my mouth, like during the middle of a prayer, but I'd taken a sip to drink before we did our, our prayer. And this was like three or four months after Poema was born. And my wife was praying at the dinner table. We had had no conversation about what's next. And my wife prayed at the, at the dinner table. And Lord, thank you for our miracle baby. And Lord, we're just praying for another miracle. And I mean, I, I, I lost it. Was like, like, I'm like, how can you be that greedy for another miracle? Like, I'm not, my brain is like, a, you know, a million miles away from that prayer. And so, That's so awesome. uh, I, now, it, you know, if she's listening, I'm going to deny that story. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll. That's amazing. That's great. So um, before we jump into these questions, uh, I'd love for you guys just to talk about your relationship, kind of how you guys have connected. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, but Vance uh, got to be one of the endorsers for Future Church. Um, Vance, I'd love for you to unpack, you know, how do you know Will? How has he worked with our team? He said he's passionate about, um, you know, equipping churches and working with churches. We've been, been benefactors for that here at Hope Church. So uh, I'd love to, for our listeners, just to kind of get some context before we jump into the content of this book. Um, what's the relationship with Will and his team like, and, and how has it been for Hope and you? Yeah, for me personally, I guess Will was all the way back in like 2004, 2005, uh, way, way back oh, yeah. Um, yeah. when uh, we first connected through the work we were doing in Vegas and engaging the city. And one of the guys on our team at the time knew of Will. And at that time, I think what was just the beginnings really of Oxano. Um, and Will came out and did some vision clarity stuff with our team around a particular area just of ministry in our church, our city engagement strategy. Um, but it was through that process that, I mean, Will and I have joked, I mean, I kind of have this little Will salute that I do because God really used Will to redeem the entire field of Christian consulting for me. I had kind of gotten burned. I'd seen the Christian consulting thing. The guy's the expert, comes into town with his briefcase and you're supposed to implement his plan. And Will was the first Christian consultant that I met who, who walked in to understand who we were, what God was doing uniquely in our context. Clarity about our unique role in the kingdom as a church. And it wasn't cookie cutter at all. It was really a spirit-led, Christ's gospel-centered approach to understanding more who we were and it just sparked a relationship where now for 15 years I guess we've been working together not just on different ministries but in our church and we were part uh some of the illustrations and I, th I guess it was your first book um the oh, yeah. uh, church unique that um you know impacted and now we do that training with all of our planters the, the churches that we plant in the west so it's just been a tremendous joy for me for now to close to 15 years to glean from, learn from the wisdom experience and just the, the master facilitator in a room that Will is in 
leading you to the point of really hearing God speak to you as a team. And he's just got a unique gift to be able to do that. Yeah. Amen. Well, I'll just chime in. I'll just chime in and say, you know, in the course of working, I, you know, by God's hand, you know, I, 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 logged ridiculous amount of hours in my 30s and 40s, you know, getting the, the privilege of serving churches. And, and uh, there, you know, there's very few leaders that lead like Vance and commit to clarity. You know, a lot of leaders have clarity, but not the courage to follow through. A lot, a lot of leaders are taking ground, but they don't really have clarity. And we say all, not all activity is progress. And so, you know, I live to help leaders experience meaningful progress that's doing what god's called them to do and i just love vance i every book i write i mean you're an example and we tell stories of you and hope and your model of ministry uh, again love how well you both clarify and then follow through as a leader executing on that and i love how you know there really is a special corporate grace over the people of, of hope hope church and hope baptist church so i so anyway i just would just share i it's really fun uh, to I, I enjoy what I do because leaders like Vance Pittman and the people of Hope Baptist Church just you know lead lead it out so well from from the clarity they have. That's awesome, awesome Will. Thanks a bunch, man. And we're we're real excited to promote the resource today, Future Church, because I just know how much your ministry and insight have impacted us. And I'd love for all the leaders who are listening to this today to grab a hold of a copy of Future Church because of the things you're about to hear. So Scott, I'm gonna let you kick us off by asking some questions, but let's yeah. dive into this book. Yeah, I would, I would, well, even hey, before, say, we, do, before we do that, I, you know, I, I don't know where I got off the swag list, but I, I don't have any hope merch and I'm looking at Scott's hat. I love that. hat. <laughs> I, I, you know, I got, I got one guy wearing a hat, one guy wearing a sweatshirt. I got to say, I want the hat. I, yeah, I, I, I need a hope. Shirt hat. Okay. Well, this is actually great. We will definitely send you a hat, but also for everyone listening, uh, we'll, we have hats available coming in February and March at Hope Church, so get, get yours. We've actually I've been wearing this on stage, and we've actually had tons of people like, where do I get that hat? So it's been a little uh, low-key PR. But um, also, f- for, people who, uh, for people who are listening, um, uh, of course, if, if you don't catch the entire episode, I do want to mention in the very beginning, uh, we're going to put a link to, to Will's book, Future Church, in the, bio, or in the, um, in the uh, episode list um description and again i I, this is not just for church leaders um i loved i read it knowing we're going to interview will for the the vance pimmy leadership podcast and knowing that not all of our listeners are church leaders some are leaders in marketplace some are are leaders in different avenues it's just a great book uh on disciple making and we know as believers uh making disciples is not just for uh the people that get paid to do it so it, it really is if you maybe even tune this out because you think this is for pastors only um, just as we begin, before we even jump into the questions, I'll just encourage you. This is for believers, um, and so it's not just for pastors. So make sure you grab this book. It will be well, well worth it. So, well, I'm going to jump in. Uh, you started writing this book uh, four years ago, um, but you finished it in uh, the craziest year of all of our lives. Um, and and you, you, in this book, you talk about seven laws of real church growth. Um, how, how do you feel like these are still relevant in today's changing church i mean church changed whether we liked it or not in 2020 um why is are these seven laws such a big deal um that you unpack in the book yeah great great question it's it's such a big question that there's a couple layers and let me pull them apart one at a time there's a very practical layer of um one of one of the greatest 
church consultants in, in, our, in our recent history is Lyle Schaller. He probably five decades of consulting into the you know, 20th century. And Lyle made the comment, he said, if you consult 15 to 20 years, you'll probably reset your toolbox 15 to 20 years in. And that was the season I was in when I wrote Future Church. And if I were to, you know, the way I was, you know, bragging on Vance and how hope lives out their, their vision frame, you know, I would say about a third of the clients I've had over two decades of consulting, I would put in the Hope Church bucket. Mm. They just get exceptional results. They're living it out. Another third I'd put into the good results. They're doing better. You know, the consulting process, the work, the, you know, the pushing through to clarity and really wrestling as a team, you know, around these big ideas of imagination and vision for God, you know, definitely makes them a better disciple making place. But I have, you know, it took me many years to get to the point where I could admit, confess, just not have my ego intertwined into my work as much where I could look back and go, you know, maybe about a third of the churches that I worked with might have not only not been in a better place, but might have actually been in a worse place. What if you like, what if you actually became better at articulating the disciple making work you're supposed to do that you're, you're not actually like advancing? What if we got better at talking about the disciple making we weren't doing. And I thought that that's not a better place. That's like a worse place. You know, it's like, don't let's not pose, you know, that we're, we're, we're we got this, you know, mission stuff going on. And now I wasn't advertising that or talking about that, the external role, but internally I was saying, you know, for this next season, whatever years the Lord gives me to work with church leaders, I, I don't want to have, a, I don't want to have one third of my, the wake of my ministry be people who are better, you know, it's kind of that communication advertising, but I don't want to have people who are promoting that they're doing some kind of mission of Jesus work that's actually not. So that was, that was a big thread that was happening on that, Scott. But the, the bigger thing was our, my biggest blog post in 2015 was why your most committed church, why your most committed church members are attending church less and less, less frequently. And that was the moment I would say where everyone would became aware of what I, you know, I call it grow towing. It's this idea. You, you may have more people calling your church home, but your attendance on Sunday is strangely flat. And the best leaders in the country were starting to feel this. And I, I believe, I would say in retrospect, the church in North America clearly started losing its value proposition to believers in 2015. There was a reason they stopped attending church less. And it wasn't a quote consumer problem it was a church design problem. Your church is perfectly designed to get the results it's getting. And we were, we were had a design problem. I'll, you know, come back on that. So I was, I was aware of that and thinking about that. I believe pre COVID, uh, and one more, one more little backstory. I'd, I'd written God dreams. Another place I tell the story of hope, I tell 72 story illustrations from churches and hopes one of my favorite in there. Uh, but in God dream, in God dreams, I wrote that in 2015 and I went in the hospital. I had three weeks of migraines. I mean, it was just, and I thought, you know, I'm never going to write a book on the organized church again. And we got that book in the can rolls out in January, 2016. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm going to write on personal vision, but not, I'm not going to write stuff on church. And I'm thinking I'm done. Well, in February of 2016, I woke up at 2 AM in the morning and I wrote down what is now the seven laws of future church growth. So it was just something that God was, you know, grabbing my heart on. And it, so it was a mix, it was a mixture of how do I improve my consulting? Number one, two, what are we doing in North America? 
like our, our most committed people are attending church less and less. 2015 is the milestone. And then it's, and then it's like, why am I waking up in the middle of the night thinking about the organized church? I mean, I didn't plan to do that. God's doing that. And so that, that's a little backstory. Now, to really answer your question, by God's grace, and it's just, to me, such a, a holy window of time, like, I sent this to the publisher on March 8th of 2020, a week before we're going to close our churches, you know, on Sunday, uh, seven days later. And what I believe what I was actually saying in the book was that 2020 is going to be a fault line unrelated to COVID around the value proposition of the church. It was going to be a fault line because you're not going to be like post 2020, I was saying pre-COVID, you're not going to be able to do program church the same way and get the results you've been getting. You're going to have to, in a nutshell, move from things like being just a teaching center to being a training center. You're going to have to move from the commodity of, you know, a guy's got to talk and a band's got a gig on Sunday to which you can get on an iPad, right? A hundred different places, high quality before you even step foot out of your bed on Sunday morning. It's like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be, you know, thinking about church with a little more depth than just Sunday's coming. How good is our, is our worship? So all of that was happening that it fully answer your question. I'll fast forward to, to, to last August. You know, the book is done. It's about to go to print. I had a couple of days to give my last few pages on kind of the latest update on where we were in COVID and the biggest insight I had, I think was just the Holy spirit giving, you know, planning this. I realized that you know 95% of everything we've been doing to adapt and adjust post COVID, put yourself in the August timeframe or four or five months into COVID. 95% of everything church leaders were talking about was the quick adapt of going digital. And we should be, that rightly so. But I would suggest we were not going to the deeper issues that future church is gonna bring up. And they're the actual long-term substantial issues that COVID gives you an opportunity to address. Here's how, here's what the, the thought I think the Holy Spirit planted in my mind. In August, as you're doing all your adaptation and, and you know, this challenging season for every church leader during COVID, the, the thought into mind, what would happen if the internet broke tomorrow? Hmm. And I've had every church leader I've been with every day since the Holy Spirit gave me that idea. Hey guys, I know COVID's been crazy. I know you've done a lot of adapting and pivoting to get online. But what are you going to do when the when the, if the internet breaks tomorrow? Because what that does is it raises the bar even more. COVID doesn't stop the mission of Jesus, doesn't stop most of what's on your vision frame. If the internet breaks tomorrow, or the church goes underground from a government perspective, none of the mission of Jesus stops. None of what we have given our lives to is actually hindered. That's the big idea. You're actually not hindered. Yes, we may need to temporarily board the doors. The mission of Jesus isn't hindered. And that, that sounds almost uncaring or, un, you know, not, not sensitive. Um, but, but, you know, I, I know we're all exhausted and dislocated, but we got to go back to that central truth. Jesus is on a mission. He's building his church and, and the mission of Jesus is not boarded up. Yeah. Well, that's good content, man. And you, you, you just mentioned um, something I want to kind of ask a follow-up about, and that's um, in the book, you talk about really kind of the way over the next two decades, the three categories of how we're going to see the church. Um, talk to us about those three types of churches that we're going to see in the next 20 years. It's kind of like two extremes, and then there's 
what you call future. But 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 talk about those three churches. Yeah, to, to do so, let me name the problem clearly, and then we'll, that will lead into the three churches. The, the, the problem that Future Church is designed to address is that the functional Great Commission in North America, the, 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 the operational true north that's not Jesus' true north, has become this. Hey, go into all the world and make more worship attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few hours a month. Now, if you're doing worship services, small group, Bible study programming, and helping people volunteer, what I wanted to awaken, and, and I, I don't think I was waiting, I think this is everyone was feeling it, and I was just trying to help name it with some helpful precision. Um, we call that program church. And Vance, you remember the upper room, lower room kind of conversations. You know, the lower room is where most people attend your church because they, love the place itself. They love the personality of the pastor. They love the pro a program you happen to offer, or they have a few handful of friends. They love the people. So we say place, personality, programs, people. And those aren't bad things. We celebrate a church having great place, personality, programs, people. But unfortunately, in North America, most people are connected to that lower room. And we're saying you can actually, and, and Jesus, you know, Jesus is showing us, like connect them to the bigger purposes of God and your unique disciple-making mission, et cetera, vision. So, the three kinds of churches are, are, you know, are, and this is important. You know, sometimes you boil things down to three kinds of churches. It's either simplistic or it's profoundly simple. So I want to confess, when you hear these, they can easily sound like overly simplified, but I think they're profoundly simple. And the reason they're profoundly simple is I've not met a church leader who pushes back on the problem statement that I named. Every church leader today understands intuitively that the programmatic expression I'm leading is not getting the, the returns on the disciple-making mission like I would like. So the three kinds of churches are when you have a lower room only and no upper room. We call it program church. It is organization without disciple-making. We have budgets, we have staff, we have pews or worship centers, and you know we have you know all the, all the beautiful garnishing of church as we do it but there's really not any kind of baseline or the vibrant disciple making happening the second church is what we call house church which is upper room with no lower room i think of it i live near galveston beach you know we put beaches on stilts you know down there it's like hey there's actually not a first floor you go we walk straight up to this upper room and I, you know it's i think i want to validate i think what God's doing through it, the house church movements, what's called the simple church movement, you know, Neil Cole's a friend, you know, organic church stuff. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's fruitful gospel ministry. You know, I, I it's not where I've spent my life. And I, I think, I don't think it's the biggest opportunity that God is you know, doing in North America because there's 350,000 brick and mortar churches. So house church is disciple making without organization. It's happening all over the place. There's no budgets, there's no church, there's no steeple, there's no worship center. It's, it's just happening in homes and faithful followers of Jesus love on each other, pour their lives into one another, but there's no organized church. The third kind of church, so that's program church, organization without disciple making, house church, disciple making without organization, and future church is, it's a, it's a, it's a scaffolding word. I mean, I'm just saying future meeting from 2020 to 2040 church are all the churches 
that are existing brick and mortar organized churches that say, you know what, we're going to do disciple making seriously. And whether you have a hymnal, a worship center, a pew, comfy seats, you know, whatever you're, whether you have deacons or elders or church council, you've got church authority, you have church buildings, you have church budgets, but you're saying this all exists for the mission of Jesus. We're not going to settle or be tempted or get sucked in subversively to a program church, you know, functional mission. We're going to do both. And we're going to be lower room and upper room. We're going to be unapologetic about having great programs for kids on Sunday morning. But we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to make sure that's raising up disciple makers of the next generation. So future church, it's a back to the future, if you want to be clear. I'm not trying to be overly novel here. Every generation since Jesus has been doing future church. We're just saying we've got we've to name it for what that looks like in, in the next 20 years in North America. Well, and Will, I think, I think what you've just articulated is so important because if 2020, I mean, the pandemic was one piece of what made 2020 what it was. You had the political cycles, you had the cultural uh, clashes and conflicts taking place, but all of those things combined, you saw the reaction of the church, and what you saw was this lack of biblical disciple making. We had not raised up disciples who could weather the storm, who could be salt and light in the middle of conflict, who could persevere under trial, who could uh, be on the front line of ministry in the midst of a pandemic, the church was afraid and divided and angry like society. And so you saw this lack of disciple making uh, in the church. And what tends to happen is the pendulum swing to the far extreme of, okay, let's just throw everything we've done out. And what I love about what you're doing is it's not a pendulum swing. It's really a, a centering back of the church in our context, contextualized to North America, but of being about the main thing. And I think that's, you know, so super important. And I show, uh, so appreciate what, what, what you articulated. Yeah. The, well, uh, I, mention, okay. I was going to say, Scott, I will mention, you know, Really, in, in, the, in the last 20 years, we've had people come in prophetically and kind of explode dynamite. So we've been we've, we've had this mission reorientation. And, you know, I've got good friends who you know came in just from Europe and from Australia. And they're saying, look, guys in America, like and it's like it, 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 it is a, it is. A, there's a lot of overreaction that we've endured for the last couple of decades. So I do do want to show this both and middle way. Yeah. I, again, we can't we can't recommend this book highly enough. I, I love you mentioned it, um, and I don't want to give too much of it away because it was so clarifying for me the the two room analogy that you mentioned, the upper and lower room, and honestly, even the section title that uh, in the book that that's under, like I was like that is genius. It, it's it's faking disciples, um, and so you got to pick this book up if you're listening to this right now. Uh, hopefully, just our conversation up to this point has kind of whetted your appetite. Again, we will put the um, the link in the show notes. But, Will, if it's cool with you, before we finish up today, uh, we just have some general uh, leadership questions um, on, on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast that anytime we have a guest, we just love um, to give our, our listeners some extra resources to hear a little bit about um, – you as a leader, not not author of Future Church, but just as a leader in, in the space for for a couple decades now. So, um, what would you say? Obviously, every every author we've ever talked to uh, is a is a, a reader as well. You're reading books constantly. Uh, what are two or three books that that you would say just to give our our, le- our listeners um, some resources? What are two or three books that have most impacted your life as a leader? We'd love to 
resource our listeners with those? My greatest life mentor is Prof. Howard Hendricks at Dallas Theological Seminary. And, and the first thing I picked up was a top 10 reading list from him. Hmm. The number one book on his top 10 reading list is How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler. And so the first book that I recommend is How to Read a Book. That book is better than any book on Bible study that I've ever read. All books on Bible study in some way are derivatives of that book. That book taught me how to think more as much as it taught me how to read. So that one is foundational. And if you imagine what I tell leaders, look, if, if there's something you can invest in that changes every day of your life, if there's a book you can read that changes how much you get out of every other book you read, you want that force multiplier in your life. So, hey, I'm just saying, if you've not, if, if you don't feel uh, like, if you don't feel like Olympic athlete when you're reading and you're a leader, then don't read anything else until you become that Olympic athlete kind of reader, because there is a skill to reading. And that book, that book changed my life. The second one in college, someone, or it made me read, I think in Campus Crusade, The Master Plan of Evangelism. Hmm. And I, I don't know if I would be who I am today and doing what I do today if it wasn't for, uh, you know, such a, just a clear, coherent ideas of what Jesus was about. That one, that one pops up in the book a few times. Yeah, yep. and that's Robert I, Coleman. Robert Coleman. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah. It's, by, by the way, I, a little, you know, a little lesson on humility. I mean, here's a guy who's impacted me so deeply. I remember several years ago, we were sitting at a dinner table together at an event forum was hosting. And I think God dreams come out and, and uh, Coleman was just like, well, Will, I heard you have a new book out. Love to learn from you. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just want to sit and ask you questions about your life's work. That was so fun. Uh, the, the, Third, I picked a third one here because it's one that most ministry leaders won't know, but a great book. Um, you know, there there are in, in ministry, we tend to be attracted to the business guys books on clarity. So you've got all, you know, you've got all, you know, you can read, there's all the sexy stuff, you know, Patrick Leone, Simon Sinek. Well, go to the grandfather of clarity in, in from business. Uh, so Drucker wrote a little book called Five Questions. It's, it's actually someone uh, put it together, but if you want the best book on some clarity, uh, just just Google the five five questions by Drucker. He didn't actually. It's, it's kind of a it's kind of a collection of things that were put together. But uh, Drucker had a particular winsome clarity edge that no one else has, and that that's impacted me as a leader. That's great. We uh, we haven't heard those ones uh, yet, so these are new resources for our leaders. We will definitely put those three books in the show notes, um, Vance. Give us another question for, for Will as we finish up. Will, obviously, you've been doing this a long time, like I have. We've been doing it together now for 15 years. But um, we've obviously all made mistakes. What would you say is a maybe not the biggest, but one of the big ones that you made as a leader and what led you to that mistake? And that's what I think of, when I think about making a mistake as a leader, I think about a thread um, a, a limitation or a blind spot I've had. And it, it's, it's most evident a, a couple of years ago, an executive coach has, was kind of challenging me. And, um, and, and the coach challenged me because when I, th I think about the kind of the, let's go, I'm, I'm talking about the category of work-life balance. In the unique toolbox, we talk about your life flowing through your health, love, work, and play storylines. And this coach was basically saying, you know, Will, you, you're, you, you know, you're a busy guy, you're doing a lot of stuff, but, but you seem to justify overachievement or overactivity through the words, I've been given an opportunity to steward by God. 
And my coach challenged my definition of opportunity. And what, what I mean by that was I, and, and, and this was my, my daughter who I'd referenced here, you know, as, a, as someone in their late forties had been born. And in that moment, it's, it rang so true. And I think, Vance, it's the threat. I think it's the mistake of my life. It's the mistake of my life to only view God's greatest opportunities as those that, that elevate my vocation, my profession, you know, what, you know, my consulting success, whatever, the life of the author. But that immediately brings, it was immediately like this aha moment that I, I, I it was a blind spot. I was justifying um, what Tom Patterson would call a control path in my life where I give my best energies to my work. And what that means is why was I not seeing time invested in personal spiritual disciplines as big of an opportunity as serving the next client? Why didn't I see looking at my little daughter, you know, at the time she's probably one years old and going, my time in my, my relationship with my daughter is as big of a Kairos moment of God. It's big as an opportunity in the kingdom as working with the next, you know, whatever quote successful church. Why is not even my playtime, my replenishment time and the things I do to make me more whole and more relatable. Why is that not big? Like, and so it was just this, it was just that it was just, Hey, what if I look and redefine opportunities more holistically and Hey, in some ways it's like, uh, no, duh. I mean, come on, you know, but at, at that moment, I, I think I looked back in my life and realized that, um, I, I, in another way, I, the other way that I think about my life's mistake is I always want to live by the mantra being more accomplishes more than doing more. Hmm. Uh, and I know Vance that, you know, that is a big theme of your life. It's the, it's the, it's, 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 it's not activity for Jesus, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's who we are in Jesus. It's identity produced life. And, and so it, I would just, that's my big, my biggest mistake is not anchoring all my activity in identity, not seeing opportunity through multiple view, you know, the, the, the multiple aspects of the, of a whole healthy person in the kingdom, uh, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. Well, Will, man, we know you got to catch a plane. Uh, and so we just want to say thank you so much, man. If you're listening to this, Future Church, make sure you pick it up. Uh, Vance, any any parting words for Will before we sign off and let him get to the airport? No, just thanks again for your investment in us. And thank you for your investment in leaders uh, in the kingdom all over the country and around the world. Will, we, we, we really appreciate you as, and, and how God's using you. Well, it's so great to be with you again, Vance. Look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks too. And uh, just thanks for the work you do, not just as a pastor and leader, but helping uh, bless and equip leaders uh, all, all over the world. All right, so make sure you pick up Future Church and we will catch you next month on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before. 